You're listening to episode 59 of the AC Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chipper, and we are recording on Friday, June 18th, 2021. Woo! You know what I, I just realized we forgot to do? What? News. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. There's something missing in our script, and I couldn't There's... figure out what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it does feel like the biggest one that I did want to talk about because I want to hear your thoughts on it is the uh, Picard trailer. <gasps> yes. Okay. So I'm really excited. So um, the Picard trailer, and we'll include a link in the show notes, dropped uh, on Captain Picard Day, which I think was yesterday, but time is like, it has no meaning anymore. Might so have been day before. I also got an embargoed, uh, embargoed version of the trailer. So I'd, I'd seen it before the trailer dropped. So like my... Time, my interpretation of time is not very good right now but um it looks fantastic first of all John Delancey looks fantastic I was wasn't sure you know like what they were gonna do to um I didn't want my worry was they were gonna try and make him look the same even because he's like an omnipotent being he technically is not supposed to age and I was worried that they would just try and like be like, all right, we can just make John Delancey look the same he did 30 years ago with, like, de-aging. And yeah, I'm really, no. yeah. Like, I'm sure they'll use de-aging at some point. But, like, I'm really glad they just went with, okay, Picard, you're older, so I'm going to be older, too. Like, it's a nice, like, clean in-canon explanation. Um, um, So I'm really excited about that. I really love... So I'm of two minds of the premise, which appears to be a lot of, like, if you've ever watched the Next Generation episode Tapestry, it's kind of like the path not taken, um, which Q goes, Q and Picard go through this, like, what if scenario if Picard had never been stabbed through the heart at the Academy, like, what would his life looked like? And it's a fantastic episode. It's really good. And it's, I highly recommend watching it if you haven't. Um, but... It basically the entire premise is like Picard as a young man was a little bit reckless, and what hap- what would have happened if he had chosen a less reckless path? And so this seems like a kind of echo of that episode, and I'm really excited about that. Um, one thing I'm always interested in with with these shows, especially the ones set in the future, is pushing forward the narrative timeline. I want to know what's going on with the Cardassians, what's going on with the Klingons in this time, and it like, looks like. Given this premise, we're not going to get that. Um, that's not necessarily disappointing. It's just not what I had hoped for, I'll say. But that being said, I'm really excited about what it looks like we are going to get. Especially given the teaser poster, um, of which is not part of the trailer. But it's basically the Picard logo over current day Los Angeles. Which makes me huh. think there's going to be some time travel involved. Like, it's like freeways <laughs> and cars. on Cars on the freeways. Like So I think it's safe to say, and given some of the reports we've gotten from people who've seen filming, that um, they're going to come back to either present day or somewhere, like, in our near future. Um, uh, there's going to be some time travel. So I'm really excited to see what this does. Um, I, I really loved the scene with um, Seven without the... Um, without the board implants. And if you look at her hand, it looks like, if my friend at Trekcore pointed out, it looks like she's wearing, might be wearing a wedding ring. Yeah, I was very curious about that because I'm coming in as someone who doesn't know this lore. Like, I, I know Q exists. That is maybe the extent of it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of see what happens with the characters that I do know, but also intrigued by the potential of the storyline that I really have no 
understanding of what's what could come from it. I think I think the good thing about this is that this will actually I know it seems like the path not taken is going to be full of like reminiscing and nostalgia and like a lot of things people aren't going to get but I actually don't think that's going to I think as long as you know the basic premise Seven used to be a Borg so what's going to happen mm-hmm. if she never was a Borg I think because the rest of the characters are new right Seven yeah. and Picard are the only old characters so are the only like legacy characters so Picard you know I, I don't I don't know how much you're gonna have to know about his history to get it, but I don't Picard's has always been it's not about him, it's always about saving humanity. Yeah. And cha- saving the current timeline. So I think his journey might be more focused on that, especially given what Q was saying in the first teaser about like the trial never ends. Mm-hmm. Um, which and- is like humanity, like in the first episode of um the next generation, Picard, or Q puts humanity, Picard on trial for everything humanity has done to judge whether humanity deserves to continue to exist or not. And then he comes back in the final episode of the series, All Good Things, to like conclude that trial, mm. sort of. So this is kind of continuing those themes. So I'm guessing at some point when we get more information about the series, I'm sure you and I will watch some of the episodes leading up some of the Q episodes leading up to this. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Oh, we're forgot. absolutely going to do it. <laughs> but um, that being said, I'm hoping they did a really, the writers did such a fantastic job in the first season, which was full. It was, like, riddled with, like, timeline stuff and legacy stuff. But they still did a fantastic job making it presentable to new viewers. And I'm really, I have faith that they'll do this with the Yeah, they season. really did. I was going to say that. And, like, I never felt in season one, like, it wasn't enjoyable because I didn't understand something. Yeah. It was like reading comics, you know? If there was, like, an event that I skipped, I can still enjoy the experience of reading the comic without having to go back and read that entire event. Like, yeah. that's kind of what it felt like. And yes. I, I agree. I think they did a really, really good job of handling that. And I am very excited to yeah. see and I don't think it's Santiago's a... Cabrera oh my god me too but I don't think it's a um coincidence that uh some of the heads of this series are comics fans yes I agree like a bunch of people yeah. working I know working on this series are huge Marvel fans and I'm sure that that there's an overlap there because it's <laughs> it's a really gr- that Marvel is actually a very good example. Marvel comic storytelling, not necessarily MCU, is a good example of how to tell a stories in a shared universe standalone that also impact the entire shared universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it also occurs to me the other thing that we could talk about uh, very briefly, if we wanted to, is the Eternals trailer and the Shang Chi trailer, mm-hmm. which both. Which both came out because today, yeah. you know, later on, we are going to be talking about this episode is, which we also didn't say. It's been a minute. All right. It's, yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the Bad Batch, all the episodes thus far, and Loki episodes one and two. Um, but there's been a lot. It feels like after a year of no MCU, of like mm-hmm. nothing, because mm-hmm. obviously last year was a thing that we all experienced. Um, last we year like, was a year. <laughs> that's, that's all I have we to say are, about like, it. Fast tracking now yeah. into like phase four of Marvel, and it's just like I looked up the release schedule the other night because I couldn't remember when things were coming out. And it's really fast. Like, yeah, it's Black like Black Widow's this next month, 
shot then black yeah i think the the and then the eternals yeah and i think the embargo for black widow just dropped because i've seen a lot of reactions to it in the last day or so but yeah Um, it's like two months right it's like black widow july shang chi september eternals november yeah it's very 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 fast that we're gonna get kind of like pulled back into the mcu a lot of story it's gonna be a lot of storytelling and it's probably gonna be a little bit overwhelming especially for those of us who aren't comfortable going back to a theater yet Um, because the Marvel movies were, I I didn't, I, I, like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like not going to theater and seeing these movies and then having to wait to see them. And that, like, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about the whole situation. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. It's, it's a whole thing that we're going to see how it goes. Every, every day is a new adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, yeah, I guess maybe let's pause because. I think our Loki discussion will uh, inform our discussion of the rest of the MCU stuff that's yeah, coming out. Yeah. So um, I don't think there's any other like big big news that we have to hit on. So yeah. So let's jump right into. So we're gonna do Loki and Bad Batch today. Loki episodes one and two. Bad Batch episodes one through seven. I know there's an eighth episode that dropped this morning, but I forgot Friday was the release date, so I was not prepared to watch it this morning before we recorded. So that is my <laughs> fault. So it's just one through seven on Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. And we will put timestamps in the show notes if you need to like skip the Loki discussion but want to listen to Bad Batch or whatever. So let's let's start with Bad Batch actually. Okay. Because I think it's going to be a shorter discussion. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be shorter. Yeah, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It's a good show. I like it. But <laughs> but all right. So so the Bad Batch, which like like we said, is eight episodes in. We'll talk about one through seven. Uh, I was not, I think we were both on the same page of not being super Like, people just thrilled. need to understand that when I say a certain Star Wars thing is not for me on this podcast, I will still end up watching it and liking or loving it. Like, I just, it's a lie. It's all a lie. Every time. Every time I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not for me. I feel like we both were like, I'm not going to watch a show about this, like, clone group that I hated from the last season. Yeah, and then now here we are, and I love them all. I do. It's It's funny. Like, I think... Like, overall impressions were very much, like, they had me from that first episode when I realized that, oh, actually, this show is going to take place as the Empire is forming into what it will become. Because we haven't seen this. We haven't kind of seen the actual creation of uh, the Empire. And so... That is very, very exciting to me. Yes, I completely agree. Um, I am watching this show. I like the characters. I like the clones. They're they're sweet and they're. I really like the team. But I'm watching the show for the setting mm-hmm. because we haven't seen yet. We don't. This is the first. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in this new in this new canon, I think this is the first time we are seeing. Like, I know there's probably expanded universe, like, old Legends books about this time period, but I don't think there's anything set in this time period of, like, right after the um, Clone Wars end and the Empire begins. There might be stuff in the comics, just because I'm not up on the comics. Like, Mm -hmm. there might be stuff happening in that area, but this is the first kind of mainstream expression of it, I think, in terms of, like... It's on Disney Plus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, everyone is watching it. Because um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I find the actual story in terms of the clone versus, you know, 
Like, you have our Bad Batch. Crosshair is the only one who's, like, Chip managed to make a dent in his brain, and so he splits off. Like, that, the Crosshair versus his, like, fellow brothers to me is kind of the most boring part of this series. Yeah. Because they're crosshair, there are better villains in Star Wars canon than Crosshair. Crosshair seems sort of like a poor facsimile of better versions of that, like the, um, you know, the Seventh Sister, like whatever. The in, the in, the motivation the- isn't there for me because it's a chip. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just it's like as a villain, like you know, if you think of like Callus, yeah, was exactly. like. Like, Callus from Rebels, or if you think of, like, if you think of these, like, incredible, like, Star Wars villains who ends up, ha- like, like, Ventress who ends up having a change yes. of heart and becoming either, like, quote-unquote good, I don't like that word, but quote-unquote good, or, like, morally gray, like Ventress did. Um, these, like, there's fantastic examples, because you know eventually they're going to catch a crosshair and take out his chip. Like, that's, that's, pr- it's, that's probably going to happen. Um... And then, but, yeah, I just, I don't find that very, very compelling. And maybe it's because that's part of, the shows like this are really, I think, difficult because parts of them are meant to aim to younger kids and parts of them aren't meant to aim to the older audience. And so maybe, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, like, uh, parts of them are meant to um, aim at an older audience, so I think maybe this is the part of it that's just not resonating with me, and that's okay. Like, it's not everything Star Wars has to be aimed at me. I, no, I agree with you. I just, I don't know. I feel like Crosshair is almost, it's almost like they felt like they had to put something in, because if, if you look at it too hard, unlike others like you said, like Callus or, or these other villains in in kind of similarly aged series that they have, Crosshair to me is just kind of rehashing a situation we've seen before, but not as good, mm-hmm. right? It's not as, like you said, compelling. It's not as exciting. And his his character sort of falls apart because you're like, why is the Empire, which is newly sort of uh, forming, spending, wasting so much time, like so much time and resources on like four clones and a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, that to me is where it kind of falls apart where they haven't really seeded that well enough for me to buy it. That said, the rest of it, like the, the Camino and like all of that stuff is so much more interesting. Cause I, you brought up when we were chatting about this, the mystery of Omega, Mm -hmm. like very curious. Yes. Like, who do you, like, um, my husband suggested, where he and I are watching this together, um, that she might be, like, a, like, all, have all of, all five, four, five, four of them, all four of their traits, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that's, like, given, we've seen her at this point going through, like, weapons training and stuff like that, she doesn't seem to have those natural abilities. My suspicion is they're trying to make a Force-sensitive clone. Ooh. That's my theory. Because, like, you see her having, like, uncanny... There's some unnatural... Like, not unnatural. Like, uh, like she her heightened sense stuff, but it's not necessarily shared with the clones. Like, mm-hmm. she has a heightened sense of emotion of awareness, I think. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. I like that. I like that theory a lot. Um, because I also like... Like, my favorite... <laughs> my favorite Bad Batch clone is Wrecker, which I did yes. not see coming. Yeah. I love Wrecker so much. 
and I love Wrecker and Omega. Uh, Omega. Omega. <laughs> Omega. Omega, uh, I like their relationship a lot. I do too. And I kind of like it's. I mean, they go and get ice cream after every it's like very it's every mission. Very it's very sweet. Um, <laughs> I do want to kind of bring up the so the the larger story, which means you know we laughed about this earlier. It does mean that this it's still Star Wars. It's still going to take place in the context that we know, which means it cannot be isolated. Yes. It's not like, you know, the High Republic. It's not like something far future. It is smack dab in the middle. Like, it cannot be isolated from the events that surround it. And so we are seeing people from other series, from other um, points of the story. So we've gotten uh, Fennec, Mm -hmm. which was... I'm, like, back and forth on that episode. I thought it was cool to have Ming-Na Wen show up, but I didn't. I was like, this episode was fine. It was fine, yeah. Right? Um, we got Raph, Rafa and Trace mm-hmm. from the last season of Rebels. Um, and, of course, Rex. Which yes. I was so happy. So, like, my my view on the crossovers, bringing other characters in, um, there has to be a good reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, the Fennec, the thing, reason I didn't, it's exactly what you said. Like, it was cool to see Ming, like, have Ming-Na Wen, but, like, that's not a good enough reason for me to think a crossover's worth doing. So for now, like, maybe they'll turn that into a bigger story later and it'll be an important part of her backstory or something. But, like, a crossover just to do a crossover is annoying to me. Um, that being said, like, the the wreck stuff, like, it's it's the difference between, like okay, I guess that person showed up versus, like, why isn't this person showing up? Because yeah. they're, we know they're alive and around at this time. And that would, that's Rex for me. Like, Rex is very emotional about the clone. We know Rex is emotional about the clones. We know, like, he feels so much, there's so much about guilt and all that about, like, you know, Order 66, what happened to the Jedi. We know we've seen a lot of that. And so mm-hmm. the fact that he would seek out these clones that he knows that are out there makes complete sense. And so I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I want to see also how this contributes, how this story contributes to the Rex that we see in Rebels, Mm -hmm. who has isolated himself and kind of distanced and completely disconnected from the cause. Mm -hmm. Whereas this Rex, just coming off of the experience with Ahsoka and like having his fellow brothers like turn against him, is in the fight about protecting. So what, where is that breaking point for Rex where he decides that this isn't his fight anymore? Like when does he realize the Republic isn't something that he can access? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When does he realize, when does he decide that? Yeah. That's a very good question. And like, speaking of, I think I know there's been some frustration that here we go again with just another, um, you know, another, sh- like, there was a lot of frustration in Rebels when mm-hmm. it started, like, being very connected to the series The Clone Wars, and I think there's some, and I think it is, at this point, expected that this would mm-hmm. tie into, this is basically the sequel to The Clone Wars. Like, this yep. is not, I would not argue that this is going to be a standalone show, because it is going to build so much on what we saw during The Clone Wars. And I think it's going to end up, um, I, I think that's something, especially with Filoni, at the, Dave Filoni at the helm, like, he feels very strongly about this interconnectedness and about these mm-hmm. telling these stories as like a connected piece. And 
it's just something that we kind of at this point I feel like have to go with or step back from. And I'm I'm okay with it, but I do understand the frustration. I don't think it's not legitimate or anything. I just don't think it's realistic at this point, given what we know about the way the Star Wars universe has been handled this far, to expect it to be standalone. Yeah, and I think that if you were going to get a standalone show, honestly, I'm not sure the Bad Batch is the the group to do it around. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know it if they are strong enough characters yeah. to hold on to that. Like Rebels had Rebels stuck with that standaloneness, though I argue again, timeline means that they cannot. Yes. They just, I agree. The timeline just means that you can't. But Rebels I think had a much stronger character base for that notion of continuing because you had enough variety among the characters for there to be interesting storylines that didn't all involve each other versus the bad batch you've got these four guys and this girl and all of their fates are so inherently tied yeah and they don't have enough individual like story in terms of their own character backstory for us to have a long lasting standalone series they have a the exact literally the exact same backstory because exactly. they are clones <laughs> like, and so like they're yeah exactly there's no um like the mystery of omega is what's like propelling that group right now and um i do feel like to tell a standalone story in the star wars universe at this time that's why they introduced the high republic and eventually um yeah. that will come to tv i think i agree i think it's only a matter of time before the high republic moves from like books and comics into the animated or live action sphere because everything else if it's within the timeline set up by that original trilogy is going to be interconnected by nature like it has to be like fortunately or unfortunately that is just the case you can't we saw it with the mandalorian you cannot have a standalone series set in that time period with someone who is connected to the larger story in any way whatsoever and the thing is and the thing that's hard about it too is like we've got all this like there's arguments on one side that it's too interconnected but there's arguments on the other side like a jedi is gonna come for like a jedi is gonna come for uh grogu in the mandalorian so you have we have to we can't just say it's only going to be, like, it can only be one person because that's the only person we've talked about in this series. Like, it's a shared universe. It has to be open to everybody who we've talked about in the series. Yes. So, I mean, that's yeah. it's just the nature of shared universe storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think as far as, and they're learning as they go, obviously. Like, they're learning as they go and because this is a new, <laughs> it's a new frontier. <laughs> Um, but it is very much like it's it's not like what we were talking about with Star Trek where they're kind of handling it in a comics way because that that uh, precedent doesn't exist in Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars is its own like Star Trek is still learning about shared universes in a lot of ways, even though it's had one. Since it's, you know, since it premiered, it's had one, but um, Deep Space Nine was really the only show that treated, like, that acknowledged what had happened in previous episodes, that had some sort of serialized storytelling. A lot of the, like, part of the reason they set Voyager in the Delta Quadrant, because they didn't want to acknowledge what was going on in Next Gen and DS9, Mm -hmm. because they wanted the series to stand alone. 
so Star Trek is still learning about shared universe storytelling in a lot of ways. Uh, Star Wars has been doing it since the expanded universe books came out, which is, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's it's Star Trek, because it was able to create all these different series in isolated incidents by putting them you know, in the recesses of space yep. by putting them so disconnected by playing with timeline allows itself that room where it can reference things without necessarily having those things be inherent to the understanding and, and enjoyment of experiencing a show Yeah. Um, versus Star Wars where, like we said, everything is tied together mm-hmm. because it is one timeline. Ha! A- what a good transition. What's a good transition? Okay, I'm going to say one thing really quick and that is actually yeah. a really good transition. Um... <laughs> Um, it is one timeline, and and I totally forgot what I was gonna say. So let's transition. Sorry. Let's train. No, no, that's good. Let's transition. One timeline. Okay, transitioning <laughs> to Loki, which um we're gonna go straight into spoilers. So I'm gonna mark this time down, and let's go, Loki. If you think of what you were going to say about Star Wars, just I will say it. Just I will. like blurt I will. it out. It I doesn't will. matter. <laughs> Oh, I do. I do remember what I was going to say. Okay. It was that basically if you are dealing with the Republic, the Empire, or the Jedi, it has to be like, that's it. If you were, if you were telling a story on some backwards planet that on the outer rim that has nothing to do with the Republic, the Empire, or the Jedi, then fine. It, it can be set in this time and stand alone. If you're telling a story about some farmer and their adventures, okay, fine. But if it has to do with the Force, you know, that, you know, any of that, it's gotta it's gotta be part of, you know, the bigger story, unfortunately. Yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you see it. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna make it sound like this is a bad thing. It's just hard for new newer viewers and I sympathize with that. Um but they just it's it's kind of like they just decided to go all in on this and It is what it is. It is what it is. Um okay, Loki. Timeline. Okay. I love this series. Can I just say, I told Preeti, I, like, so we obviously had a big break um, in recording because uh, we only talk about things where we could say mostly positive things. So there's a Disney show after WandaVision that uh, we were planning <laughs> on recording about after every episode, and then um, I stopped watching after, I think, four episodes altogether. And then Preeti was just like, it's not worth it. Let's, let's yeah. not. Let's just not. And then... I watched the first episode of Loki, and then we went back the next day and finally finished off Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I was like, oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, especially watching the that after Loki. Okay, but, it's, so, it's because, we, we're but, not gonna do it. no, it's because yeah. Loki is so good. Loki is, okay, so WandaVision was a breath of fresh air in mm-hmm. terms of, like, mm-hmm. interesting storytelling, and, you know, we, we covered all of it, and I think we're going to cover all of Loki. Loki's only... Six episodes, I believe. Um, oh, that makes me really sad. I was hoping it was sh- at least eight. I know. It, it's a shame because it. Okay, let's let's start at the beginning. So, my apprehension coming into the series was, how are they going to bring back the Loki that I like, which is not the 2012 Loki from the Avengers movie, which was a pretty ham-fisted, you know, version of fascism. And so I was like, how are they going to, how are they going to develop this character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back to the more interesting, nuanced, sort of like gray trickster Loki um, so that we can kind of enjoy him as he is and not as the kind of 
villain that he was who i will say like tom hiddleston played that 2012 loki in the avengers like so so well he is some of my favorite villain monologues he is so good at every facet of this character yes um but pleased to say that first episode handled it very very well yes, <laughs> yes it like he he like you said, Tom Hiddleston's a fantastic, and he knows his character in and out. I read an interview where he did like an all-day seminar on Loki for like the yeah. showrunners and writers because he just he's like he he embodies his character. He knows this character in and out, and so he's sitting there telling the writers and showrunners like this is what this character does, this is his motivations, this is what they do, which is fantastic because you get a really really believable. A, it's it happens quickly but it's a very believable kind of transformation of the character in just the first episode yeah like they so it kicks off this this episode kicks off with what we saw in endgame um which is loki after the avengers defeat him and he's going off and sorry the first the first event oh yeah no endgame yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah yeah, the 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 time after they go back in time travel when they're attempting to get the tesseract Mm -hmm. So they have the Infinity Stone, like, whatever. All that stuff that happens. Um, and 2012 Loki splits a timeline because he gets the Tesseract through series of events and uh, disappears. Mm-hmm. And that's where this episode kicks off, where he... <laughs> I, I, I was so happy with this opening scene in terms of setting up the tone and tenor of the show when he ends up in the, the desert and immediately starts, like, <laughs> speechifying. Yeah. And doing his thing. And, like, he's so... Tom Hiddleston is so wonderfully, like, shifty-eyed. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, oh, this is a new opportunity. I'm going to yeah, seize yeah. it. How, can I, how can I take advantage of this situation? Yeah, like, immediately. Yeah. And then it all goes straight to hell because this, like, doorway opens. And what we now know are the Minutemen come out mm-hmm, from the mm-hmm. TV TVA. Uh, <laughs> the Time Variance Authority. Right? That's what Yes, Time Variance Authority. Yep. Yes. And so they come out, they capture Loki because he is a variant who is, this is the explanation of the multiverse. This is the explanation of why there is not, quote, not a multiverse, Mm -hmm. which is there is this organization called the TVA that maintains the sacred timeline, which is dictated by three time lords who are not time lords. Time keepers. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And... So Loki comes in. It's a very, very funny sort of, like, experience watching him completely out of his depth. Yes. (coughs) Excuse me. And we get to see these really cute scenes. I think the the set design is great. Um, I think we can bring up theories. Should we do it after? Should we do it as we're doing it? I think as we're doing it is fine. So I saw this thing that was like, we no one knows where the TVA is, right? It's, it's outside of time yeah. it's it's not like in the future it's not whatever um it's not like on, it's not it's not like these people are on a space station somewhere like it's yeah, a, like, outside of what we know is our universe so somebody brought up in ant-man and the wasp when hank goes into the quant what are they called i don't even remember the quantum universe called. the quantum universe when he gets really small when he gets teeny, teeny, tiny to mm-hmm. go rescue Michelle Pfeiffer's character, mm-hmm. Janet, right? Yeah. Um, he, you see a city in the background, very blurry, mm. and it's the same color scheme 
and looks very similar to okay. the TVA. So, like, I like that idea yeah, that they like are that in the quantum too. universe. Okay, I like that idea, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like, good, that's a good theory. I, I was like, huh, this is what you get for scrolling TikTok for, like, four hours yeah. in the middle of the night. It's Who like, has oh, watched Ant-Man yep. closely enough? Yep. There is always someone, yes, right? Yes, there's, there's always, always someone. someone who's like, actually... I actually really like the Ant-Man movies, so I'm not, like, ragging on anybody who likes them. But, like, this is, like, who has watched Thor closely enough? And I'm, like, raising my hand over here. Who know. has watched who Thor, Thor the, Dark, the World Dark World closely enough? And I'm, like, here, here, here. So, you know, no shade there. Um, there's a very good... <laughs> so in this first episode, so maybe that's where the TVA is... I thought of you. <laughs> so as the episode progresses, Loki is like, Loki, Loki is like trying to give. He's like, I'm a god, da 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 da, you know. And his powers don't work. It's it's this very like this organization that has like very strict control. Um, he goes up in front of a judge. Uh, Ravana Renslayer is the character's name, and is played by Gugu Mbatha-Ra, who is. I think right now, two episodes in, criminally underused. Yes. But hopefully we'll get more. And he gets kind of um, taken because they were just going to, like, erase him, basically, for, like, messing up the timeline because he was never supposed to do any of that. And Owen Wilson's character, Agent Mobius, comes in and is like, no, he can help me with this other thing I'm doing where he's hunting somebody who is killing these time, Minutemen, time people. But so what he has to do and how Loki's character development happens is Mobius forces Loki to confront actions that not only he had just done, but actions he has yet to do, which we know through the various movies. And I was like, Loki basically has to sit down and watch Thor Thor the the Dark Dark World. World. (laughs) It's a privilege, Preeti. It's a privilege. (laughs) I was like, this is the best punishment of all time. It's a privilege. No, literally, when he was like, when when um, Owen Wilson was like, you've literally stabbed people in the back. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he did in the Thor, the, literally yeah. stabbed somebody back in Thor the Dark World. He is a big, big fan of stabbing people. Yes. But it is, it is quite fun. I know a lot of people had issues with like, they're like, oh, it's so like exposition heavy. Mm. But I thought it was a very natural sort of um, conversation between the two characters yeah. of of Mobius not only forcing Loki to confront his actions, but forcing Loki to internalize what those actions mean and mm-hmm. really be honest about why he does the things he does, which is not to say that he should not be judged for those Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but as far as the character goes, it was fun to watch somebody kind of out-talk Loki and out-maneuver Loki, even though we still got to see, it wasn't like they were like, you know, making Loki seem stupid or, like, he could get caught so easily. Because the minute he gets an inch, he takes a mile. Like, yeah. he takes that thing that he can, like, go, you know, move forward or whatever back in time and gets back to where he was, gets over to Eugene Cordero, who, another Star Trek crossover person, which I love so much. I love Eugene Cordero and everything. Um, but there's this great moment where he tries, he wants, it's Loki. He's like, I want power. I want to yeah. figure out what's going on. And so he goes after the Tesseract, which was taken from him, and he goes to find it, and he opens the store to grab it, and there's just, like, a bunch of Infinity Stones sitting in that drawer, and Loki's like, the fuck? Yeah. 
and that forces him to recognize that, that like breaks his brain yeah like you there's this moment this great like moment tom hiddleston's such a good actor and you can like see his brain breaking mm-hmm. it's very very funny but also kind of desperately sad to yeah. see him come to the realization where he has to then go back and he you know he's watched himself lead to the watched his choices lead to the death of his mom and he then we watch him watch his own death yeah which of course that actually like as much as the moment with his mother affected him it was his own death that really broke mm-hmm. him um which because, i think like, is very telling so far in this loki has basically structured his life around getting the infinity stones to gain power that's yep. why he allied himself with um i don't think he i'm not did he know he was allying himself with thanos no i don't Okay, yeah, but that's why in the uh, he allied himself with the whatever that race was because he basically he's all he's everything has been in the pursuit of infinity stones. That's yeah, it's in the pursuit of taking his rightful place as king with the power promised by the exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. And so uh, I think seeing not only um, the infinity stones just treated as like paperweights, but also seeing Thanos who was so powerful. The one of the like arguably the most powerful being in our known universe still had to wear a gauntlet, and he had all the Infinity Stones and Loki dying at his hands. Like I think the combination. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're right. What and it's it's a very smart way also to immediately set up for us mm-hmm. that this place is outside of our understanding yeah. as viewers. Like it it exists outside of our perception of what the MCU is, which is mm-hmm. good because I, you know, when, but the MCU starting in 2008, they set up a very clear story, right? They were like the Avengers. Each movie is going to bring us a new team member. We're going to eventually build up to like these big, big villains. And now post Avengers, I have literally no idea. I don't know what they're going to do. What the goal of the MCU is. So we talk about Shang-Chi. We talk about, um, the Eternals, the Eternals who are these like God immortal aliens who have existed for all of the MCU's time, who have existed within the construct of the story versus this TVA, which exists outside of the construct of our story. And so what do those two forces mean for the narrative of the MCU? Like I have no clue, which is exciting. That's a fan. And that's a fantastic perspective. Um, I think that that is a great question, and we know, um, going back to how we segged into this discussion, we know Mm -hmm. that, um, the multiverse is going to play a role going forward in the MCU. We know the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, we had, there's a lot of casting rumors around the next Spider-Man movie about the Mm -hmm. multiverse, so we know that that's going forward. So with that, knowing that, and that the time, the TVA's job is to protect one timeline and basically prevent the multiverse from occurring, we can see where this is heading. Yep. So that first episode, the things we learn is that Loki has self-reflection and personal understanding and, and makes a choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say he is going to help the TVA get rid of this variant, which turns out is another Loki. This other Loki is hunting or doing something where he's killing uh, TVA agents in various points in time. We we meet Agent Mobius in France 
in like the 1500s um, where a Minuteman has been murdered by this variant. Mm -hmm. And the first episode ends with another sort of mass murder of a bunch of Minutemen by the variant. So episode two, which was excellent. Yes. um, We come in and Loki is now an agent. Well, like a a baby, baby agent of the TVA. And in the opening scene, they're at a Renaissance fair in like Oklahoma, I think. Um, And this variant comes in. We We haven't seen the face. We haven't seen, you know, any part of this person other than like this sort of cowled cloaked form and kidnaps one of the agents after having the agent she does like loki magic on the agent is oh i i said she that's okay <laughs> we we're already past the spoiler warnings we're past spoilers uh she does loki magic on this agent so you see the green eyes you see what we've we know loki can do um and uh she takes after having this agent kill her fellow agents takes the agent captive and then it kicks off the entire episode, which is Loki proving that he understands this other Loki well enough to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And then he basically has this, like, fan... It took me a while to figure out how he... Honestly, like, I had to, like, rewatch the scene a couple of times because it's so... It demonstrates such a deep understanding of Loki's understanding of himself, I guess. Um, Like, to figure out that this Loki is hiding in Apocalypse, like, mm-hmm. into in the, like, in the hours and minutes before Apocalypses. Yeah, because your actions will not matter, so they will not, that, that, the TVA can't track non-variants, and because the action has no impact on the time point, there is no variant energy, because yeah. they go to Pompeii, uh, Loki brings Mobius to Pompeii, to prove his theory, which is in a very, very funny scene because, which they are so great. Like Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston are, play off each other very, very well. Yes. Because Mobius is like, I just, let's, let's do something tiny. Like, let's like kick some rocks. And Loki's like, fuck that. Yep. Hey, everyone. You're all going to die. Yep. You're all going to die. <laughs> it has no effect whatsoever on the time period. Um, I do want to step aside very briefly to talk about Loki's powers. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that was a very fun moment, right? When yeah. Right before they go into... Yes, I thought, yeah, let's talk about that. Because that was really interesting. Right? So they... Right before they go to that Renaissance fair to, um, you know, inspect the scene and see what see if they can figure out what went down, um, somebody says, like... I think Mobius says, like, it's... They... Astral projection or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And Loki steps back and is like, oh, no, 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 no. There are, there are two different things. Yeah. I can either remake my entire body at a molecular level into something else entirely, or I can project myself as I currently am in my current state of affairs into another place. They are two separate things. Yes. And it felt very much like Marvel being like, okay, we can finally recognize that magic is magic and tech is tech. Yes. And we have to talk about them as different things. And magic still has rules. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. a thing that we haven't seen yet in the Marvel Universe. What are the rules of the magic? Ooh, yeah. And so, um, which Preeti, Preeti is soup. Preeti is like no tech, only magic. Yes. So like this makes her very excited to like finally have some like rules around the magic. Whereas I'm like, uh, magic is too much for me. Just give me like tech. 
if you are curious about ways are different ways our brain work our brains work um no i'm really excited though because i agree with you like there has been like marvel has been very good about trying i mean in like you know not always like but trying to like at least have some explanation for how their technology works and the science behind stuff but magic has just been like oh we can make portals to other places yeah. like by waving our hands and playing some like vaguely asian music like you know like it's just like like so setting some boundaries around that is really exciting it is it is it is very 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 exciting um and also getting to see loki like i think they're doing a good job of leveling out or like not not making loki all of a sudden like okay i'm i'm a good guy now you know mm-hmm. he's He's still in it for himself, and yes. every every step he takes is in self interest, mm-hmm. which is excellent to see. So you know he tries to like play the game at the the Renaissance. Yes. I want to though point out one Mimosaku who's playing Hunter B one five, who had the funniest moment in the second episode. I think when Mobius hands Loki his daggers. Oh. <laughs> Walks just by like, and is like absolutely not. Yeah, grab them. I was like, yes, amazing. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> but she, Loki, tries to um, play the game. Doesn't work. Has to convince Mobius through research of all things. Yeah. He has to sit down and he has to research by like reading everything. In this library, he tries to get at. You see the questions he's asking himself, yes. which are. What is the beginning of time? Like, how did this all start? What is the end of time? Where do these things come from? Where do these, like, timekeepers or whatever come from? He can't get anywhere because no one will give him anything, right? He gets his own file mm-hmm. is the extent of what he has access to. Um, and that's and so how he makes the connection between mm-hmm. the apocalypse events. He, he managed to make this connection. And we see that there are, like, dozens and dozens of Loki variants, mm-hmm. all of whom, like, kind of screw with the timeline. Um, and in that moment, I will say when they showed us all the Loki variants, I was like, huh, you're not going to show us a single female Loki. Hmm. I noticed that. I noticed it Mm -hmm. just so Mm -hmm. you know, I noticed Mm -hmm. it. Uh, and so they have this realization of like, okay, this person is hiding in the apocalypse. Let's see if we can find out where this person is. Mm -hmm. And they managed to narrow it down. Uh, and it's Alabama, right? Arkansas, Alabama, Alabama. Alabama, on the cusp of a climate natural disaster, which I, and aside to say, little too real. Mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of these, some of these apocalypses, mm-hmm. little too real. Um, and it's at this big box store owned by Roxxon. Yeah, Roxxon. Yep. Which is a a company in the Marvel comics, which is like, like evil Amazon. Yeah, we've seen them, and we've seen them here and there. I think in the MCU, mm-hmm. just like mentioned. Yeah, they they've been mentioned in in several points. Um, at this big box store people are still shopping in the most dystopic way i've ever seen like and the other loki is there so they go in they split up into teams loki is with hunter b15 because she was like nah not doing this um i will say mobius had to get approval for this from um gugun batara's character who has a very like funny sort of side comment where she's like i've got i've got an analyst on the side yeah and then the franklin roosevelt high school thing hmm hmm, hmm. 
Hmm. Um, my instinct says we're gonna see Kang the Conqueror before this series is over. Okay. Okay. That's that's who I think it. The person is on the side. Ta- Kang is like the most famous like time hopper in Marvel comics. Um, my yeah yeah. Huh. Why? What do you? Think? I didn't. That didn't even occur to me. My thought was this is another uh, the uh, like from WandaVision. Um, I know a, a what was it? Astrophysicist? Astro? It's a, it's a it's a red herring. Oh oh yeah, you might be right. I don't I don't know I don't know. Um, but so they they get to this big box store and the other Loki is there. We find out after having been what this other Loki has been doing that we've seen has been taking the like time reset timeline reset things. Um, that the TVA has and hoarding them and taking them. Um, and so Loki goes off with B15. He gets attacked by this other Loki in different bodies. So there's like a person who works at the store. First, this other Loki takes over B15, then drops B15, gets into another body, fights Loki. It's a very fun fight scene. Uh, and then we finally see the reveal. Mm-hmm. When Loki tries to be like, we should work together. We should take over our Loki. Loki, Tom Hiddleston Loki. We should take over the TVA together. And um, the variant Loki is like, huh, no. Also, our Loki notices that this Loki is, does not want to show their original body. Yes. Like this Loki, he, like Tom Loki says at one point, like, oh, you don't want to fight, like, like, why are you hiding your original body? Or, like, you don't want to fight me in your original, something like that. So yeah. he's, he, he, it clicks for him. There's something off here. And so we, we get the reveal that it's a woman, mm-hmm. which I think a few of us saw coming because the potential was either Kid Loki or Femme Loki, mm-hmm. uh, played by Sofia DiMartino. However, mm-hmm. my initial reaction to the Cal coming back and seeing this blonde mm-hmm. woman with the horn, with the broken off, one of the horns broken off, which is iconic imagery from Al Ewing's mm-hmm. Loki Agent of Asgard series, which mm-hmm. is one of the best comics written, I think, of the last like decade. Read it if you haven't. Um, I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, where is Elizabeth Hurley <laughs> in Bedazzled? That's who I wanted as female Loki. <laughs> I have some... I, I'm, I'm really glad they're introducing female Loki. My worry totally. is this is not female Loki. I agree. <laughs> That's my, like, like, like I feel yes. like the internet went nuts. So, like, finally, they're, you know, fe- and I'm like, I don't actually think this is Loki. I think they, well, so both the credits and the, I want to say the Spanish. French, uh, I think it was French. French or Spanish subtitles recognize that this character's name is Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Um, which a lot of people, and I think correctly, are assuming means Sylvia the Enchantress, who mm. is blonde. Yes. And who has also kind of very similar, like, uh, costuming to Loki, um, because she is, and it's been a minute, but I believe she, her powers and everything are derivative directly from Loki's own powers. Mm-hmm. Like, Loki, like, created her, yeah. essentially, in very overly simplistic terms. Um, and so I agree with you, and I'm kind of bummed about it if that's yeah. the case. Yeah, I agree. Like, and I think if the hood had come down and it had been like a Liz Hurley type, somebody with uh, who looked like somewhat reminiscent of, and that's not to say like if 
somebody wanted to change their appearance or couldn't fully change their appearance, obviously, like, it's okay if you have brown hair and you decide you want to as a female, uh, like, you, you know, have blonde hair. That's absolutely fine. But that's not everything Marvel does. They do for a reason. They do it for a reason. And putting, I think there's a very big difference between putting someone like uh, Sofia DiMartino, who is smaller, more slight, fair-skinned, fair-haired, fair-eyed, up against Tom Hiddleston, who is like 6'2", dark, dark black hair. like Dark very, eyes. Very, very like, yeah. tall, dark, and handsome, right? I think that is a deliberate choice. I agree. And it doesn't have, if they were truly doing them Loki, having a Loki who could match Tom Hiddleston in everything Mm -hmm. would have been such an amazing moment on screen. Uh, Like, there's a reason that she she didn't fight him in her own body because she's not a physical match for him. And I would have, I think if they were going to cast... Femme Loki, it would have been somebody who is somewhat of a physical match for Tom Hiddleston. And so I think we could be totally wrong. And she could be Femme Loki. totally wrong. But I don't think we're wrong. (laughs) And I think people are going to be so mad. And it makes, because this is a good series otherwise, and it's a very legitimate, Marvel does this so much, and it's a very legitimate frustration and complaint and anger, and it's all legitimate. And it just, I'm just like, oh man, like why? Like, I hope that they give it to us also. Yes. Like, in addition to, yes. right? Give us, Absolutely. Also give us a femme Loki, because you have, um, or non-binary Loki, like, whichever. Because they have confirmed that Loki is gender fluid yeah. in this, like, teeny tiny way, in the most Marvel of all ways, which is, like, in a screenshot of his, like, of Loki's, like, arrest image or yeah. whatever, right? Uh, they've confirmed it. That is still a confirmation. And so put it on the screen, like yes. show us, right? If this is not, if this is in fact the Enchantress, don't end it there. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. That's perfect. Yep. Like that, that's all you have to do because otherwise it's like another one again in theory and confirmed, but never actually seen on screen, which is not my trying to have it both ways. Yes. It's like giving, exactly. it's giving us like that, uh, like the, you know, LGBTQIA plus community plus anyone who wants to see that, you mm-hmm. know, inclusivity on screen crumbs while yep. not angering the, you know, quote unquote core, which I would argue that this is the core fan base right. at the, this point. Like, but I, I mean, uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying though? It's just, it's trying to have it both ways and just like make it explicit and take, you know, take a stand. It's a win. Like, yeah, it's come a on. Win. Like, it's Disney. It's a win. You really think you're going to lose, like... Right? Sorry, like, you're not going to lose people. I know. But, ugh, anyway, whatever. okay, let's not get into that. Okay, so... So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I like how your buzzer's like, no, we're not going there. Like, it's just, yeah. like, anyways. Um, but yes, that being said, um, so I'm very curious to see where the next episode... And Loki, oh, to end the episode, Loki, as um, Mobius fall, runs and um, 100B15 run behind him and we're like calling out to him like no don't go no don't go uh Moby or Loki follows uh Sylvie into the time door she created and the door closes and then back at the TVA all like all of the devices go off and 
you just see the branching, like all these alarms start going off and all of these timelines just start branching. Mm -hmm. um, and so the kind of conclusion that you come to is we're seeing the birth of the multiverse. Yeah. And the way this conclusion, the way these timelines branch, it's not like 50 million timelines branch off of the single point. It's clear that this, that Sylvie has gone through history and placed the branches, placed the reset devices because the branches aren't all coming from one point. It's through so time. I saw another, <laughs> learning so much on TikTok. Someone did the work of um, pausing where you see the screen because we didn't mention what Sylvie was doing in the big box store with all these like things that she had stolen. Um, the reset button was creating basically a time bomb. Yeah to go off all at one time, which mm -hmm. she does. Um, the points at which these things were uh, branching were major points in the MCU. Mm -hmm. So it's like that planet rock where Thanos was, okay. was one. Um, and there were a few others, which I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to find it again. But it was all major points in the MCU with villains, I believe, is when all these like branches were coming off, which I found to be very interesting because... I agree. I think this is the birth of the multiverse and it's going to have massive, massive implications for every other Marvel thing coming out, especially Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so is the theory maybe that like these are um, these are timelines in which maybe the bad guys won? Maybe. Like, I don't if know. They're, if they're... kind of just pointing it out yeah no i'm like i'm just wondering what the implications of that are like is there a like did did loki specifically want to create or sylvie specifically want to create a timeline like a timeline in which the quote-unquote good guys didn't win maybe maybe it's all about chaos right maybe yeah. it's just creating the most chaotic option in every situation because then people have to scramble to try to fix it mm -hmm. because the like they can't they literally cannot put it aside to fix later mm -hmm. and they're gonna have to oh 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 maybe it's forcing the tva to split their forces mm -hmm. in such a way to be able to go after the timekeepers to be able to go after the timekeepers because i in my heart of hearts i believe the tva is the big bad mm -hmm. of this series yes. like i think they seem like a real fascist organization. They mm -hmm. seem like a very, like, they are not shown in a kind light. And if you see something, like, if Kang is involved, I can see very easily how Kang, ta Kang could take control of the TVA and truly, like, start using the powers for not just faux neutrality, but, act like, active evil. Mm -hmm. Because you have these points, like, the way Mobius talks to Loki is not good, right? Mm -hmm. He's very undercutting. It's very deliberate. It's a very, like, well-known tactic um, in terms of wanting to maintain power over someone. Mm -hmm. And it's insidious. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of that on behalf of the TVA that is kind of shown as this very, like, not, like, benevolent thing, but, but like, they're there to maintain order. <laughs> And I think that um, that exactly, because th that's exactly right, because um, why is a single timeline better? Right. Like, right. like I mean, Jen, Jen, I, and Loki asks this, like, directly at one point. So, like, 
it's just all predetermined till the end of time like it's just why like, like why who, is who decides why is one timeline inherently better than a multiverse like i like and just like you know from a science background like i absolutely love the multiverse theory like i think mm-hmm. it's um just like you know in our real life i mean like um and so why is that better and i think um i think that's great and like loki is not like he tells sylvie that he wants to overthrow the time keepers Mm -hmm. i keep wanting to call them time lords Um, i know (laughs) like he wants to overthrow the timekeepers and um and i think everything he's doing i think sure he's helping the tva quote-unquote but i think everything he's doing is to get an audience with the timekeepers who can figure out their weaknesses or vulnerabilities like i think he is because to if there's if you're if your goal is to create chaos which i think loki's is um chaos and mischief um and I think you can do that also without, like, he says, like, his goal is not to hurt people. It's to create mm-hmm. chaos. Having a group of, like, omnipotent beings that create order is your enemy. Yeah, and and he wants power, right? And yeah. these are truly the most powerful beings in, it's not the universe, it's not the galaxy, who knows what it is. In reality, yeah. um, that's where he's he needs to be and and the way they answer that question in terms of why there should only be one timeline is the most like propaganda way i've ever seen right they show us that cartoon in the first episode that quote explains like why the space exists why they do what they do but it is like straight up classic propaganda yes this is what we say it is this is how it is like there you go this is this is truth um but who's to say what is true and what is not? And that's what I think the series is going to have us asking a mm-hmm. lot of. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and who's to say what is good and what is not? Yeah. I yes. think there are some things, like, obviously, like, <clears throat> I don't want to be, like, too, like, you know, just stupid about it. But, like, in terms of why is one timeline good as opposed mm-hmm. to a multiverse? Why is order isn't always necessarily better than chaos? Right. Like, it's, it's just, it's not. Like, it's, it's, order is what the empire is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, traditionally. Order can be fascism. Like, you order know, that's. Order is that. And right? so, so it's not. It's not, like, it's not inherently a good thing. And, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of really interesting thing this series is doing and can continue to do. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. Um, I think, uh. Michael Waldron, who created it, and every episode is directed by Kate Heron. Um, both of them seem to have a really good eye on how to present the story, mm-hmm. and so I'm, whew, I'm, I'm excited. I think, I think doing these kind of two episode episodes is probably. I think that's good. good. Yeah, I think we'll probably um, do maybe after every two episodes, because then we'll we'll get you know three and four, and then we'll do five and six, which will mm-hmm. be sadly, mm-hmm. sadly so sad. It. And then we don't have any Marvel series immediately upcoming after that, do we? Because uh, it was no, these I three think... in production, and then like we know Ms. Marvel's coming, but I think they're just starting filming on that, maybe. I don't even Ms. know if they've Marvel's started. filming now. Okay. Or it started filming a few weeks ago, I believe, and uh-huh. Hawkeye also right. is Hawkeye. already filming. So those two, I think we may get before the end of the year. Okay. Um, because, oh, there's What If, which is the cartoon. Right. Which comes out, I think, I want to say in, like, August. But we've kind of gotten these with a couple-week break in between relatively back-to-back, and that might be a few months. Yeah. Like, I think we're going to get 
a Marvel thing basically every month, but it's going to uh, go back and forth between movie. movies and Yeah, and because, yep, yep, yeah, 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 no. I forgot so, about that. Um, yeah. Because Black Widow comes out next month. Yep. Which, Whew. we'll see. Yeah, I've heard good things. It's, I mean, it seems universally like it's a good movie, um, but it should have been five years earlier. Like, why yeah, do we have to, everybody, out. everybody's saying, like, it feels very sour after the ending she got in Endgame. Like, it's yep. just, that's everything I've seen, and I believe it, because despite all the issues, and despite, there's a lot of issues around both the actress and the character, but she yep. was what we had for so long, and it just hurts to see, to it's going to hurt to watch this movie knowing how her story ended. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's a disservice to... I mean, they... Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. We all have... We all know. Everybody knows. Yeah, everybody we knows. We all know. <laughs> okay, so I think that's our Loki discussion. Yeah. Um, so, so many questions. Yep. So what are you doing right now? You're doing a lot. You're I'm writing everybody's favorite characters. Yes! Uh, so I, um, write, I wrote a Zatanna comic, a one shot, um, for DC, which was very exciting. It comes out August 17th, so you can pre-order it from your local comic book store if you have, if, if you are so inclined. Um, it is in the series Truth and Justice, so this is number seven. I'm, I'm so psyched about it. I worked with, um, Lalith Sharma did the art on it, which this was wild. Like I, every project I go into, I ask if I can work with a person of color as the artist. And this is the first time a, I didn't have to ask like they just, that's fantastic. You're working with this like South Asian artist. And I was like, what? I don't. Okay. That's fantastic. (laughs) Right. I thought that was so awesome. Um, and so when I put things in the script, I didn't have to, worry about having to like over explain what some of these pieces were which was really nice um but yeah that comes out august 17th truth and justice number seven please pre-order it i think it's i'm i'm really excited about getting to write the yeah that's <laughs> like that's so cool um and then i am in an anthology called battle of the bands which is an interconnected anthology it's young adult uh it's all about a night at the battle of the bands um, my story is called Merch Ado About Nothing, and it's about two kids selling merch because that was my favorite thing to do when my friends uh, did shows because then I could read while I was watching their shows and, and supporting them. Uh, and then Avengers Assembly number three, Exchange Students 101, comes out in January of next year, which is bananas, but yeah. I believe is already available for pre-order. Okay, good to know. Good to know I haven't pre-ordered it yet. I think so. I think so. There's no cover or anything um, because it's so early. But I was like, oh, this is online now. I guess I should say something because no one told me. Uh, And then the last thing is uh, Jen Northington and I are still doing our Wheel of Time podcast, Tarval and our bust. And we are on the third book, The Dragon Reborn. So there's still time for you if you are looking into getting into the book before the series starts because – this is going to be a series on Amazon, and I promise you it's going to be, I think, as big as Game of Thrones, because I think, arguably, Wheel of Time has a better story than Game of Thrones. <laughs> I believe that. So, check it out. It's called Tarval and her Bust. Um, and then the last thing, uh, I'll let Sapna talk about, because... Yes! Okay! So, like, unlike Preeti, I, don't, I only have a couple of things going on. I've still got my Wired column at Wired, um... 
that was repetitive. Uh, my my gaming column at Wired, um, talking about video games, and they've been, I just have to say, they've been fantastic. They let me just basically write about whatever's on my mind, whatever I want to write about, um, like, you know, whatever's irritating me or frustrating me about being a gamer, playing video games, finding time to do it, not finding time. Um, so there's, I, I just, I have to say, I can't say enough good things about my editorial team over there, but, um, so that's still coming out every other week. Um, and then my big thing is Swordstone Table, the anthology I'm co-editing with Jen Northington and Preeti has a story in it, um, is coming out on July 13th. And so we are, you know, less than a month before publication, finished copies are in the warehouse. Um, you know, so we, those should be going out. Um, if you are a member of the media, if you are a blogger, if you're an Instagram, a bookstagrammer, a YouTuber, whatever, if you are a person who talks about books in a very public way, um, send me, drop me an email, um, or you can go to my website. Um, I have a thing with, um, like a page that has all the source on table information. You can email our publicist directly, or, um, if you'd rather contact me and ask me for it. That's fine too. Either way, we'd love to get a copy in your hands. If um, you're a member of the general public, pre-orders really genuinely do help. If you want to pre-order um, a copy signed by Jen and me, we have a link to do that from um, our local bookstore, Main Point Books. And um, you get a sticker if you pre-order, it doesn't matter from where. You can send us, email us a receipt. All that information is also on my webpage. That stuff will be I feel like I'm talking about my GeoCity site when I talk about my webpage, <laughs> but um, um, like I do, I do have a site, like a page on my site about all this. So we'll put this in the show notes. It's got all the information, and we will be doing events. Um, and most of them are already set. I just need to update this, update my you know Angel Fire website. <laughs> I need to update it, and those will be there. But we will have like a launch event at Word. And then um, events the next couple of weeks, virtual events. When you go to Sopna's website, a MIDI starts playing. Yes. And it's that like, it's like, like green and red, like flashing, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the old school GIFs, which weren't GIFs back then. I don't know what they were, but. <laughs> um, all right. So, oh, what are we into? Yes. Um, so I just listened to the first two books of Kirsten White's Camelot Rising series. Um, which were excellent. Oh, good, because I have those audiobooks. They're so good. Okay, because fiction can be really hit or miss for me on audio when I'm listening for the first time, so that's good to know. Yeah, they're, because it's, I feel like for audio, I've been really good with, like, children's and YA has Mm -hmm. been great for audio, because, Mm -hmm. like, if you dip out for a second, you're mostly usually okay when you come back in. Yeah. Um, But, so the series is about, basically, Guinevere, uh, who you find out very early on is a changeling and the real Guinevere died and Merlin put this Guinevere in her place to help protect Arthur. Uh, and it, it kind of, we were all from Guinevere's perspective. There are twists on the very classic Arthurian tale, which we clearly love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really enjoy them. And I'm so upset because I thought the third book was out. No, and it's, it's not, not yet. Yeah, it's coming out. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to message Kirsten White and be like, hey, do you have an audio copy (laughs) of just your book? Thanks. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so check that out if you, if you haven't, if you like King Arthur, like I highly, highly recommend. There's like a great minor um, love triangle in it between Guinevere, Arthur, and Mordred. Mordred is very compelling, I will say. 
Uh, and then I, <laughs> I watched all six seasons of The Nanny on HBO. I saw this on the, like, when we were typing, because we do our show notes kind of together before the episode, and we, like, kind of type stuff out. And I saw that, and I was just like, really? Yeah. Not that it was a bad show. But that's not a, that, it's just not a show that's in, like, the modern day, like, nostalgic consciousness very much. Yeah, I just saw that it was on HBO Max, and I was like, huh. Because I loved it when I was little, yeah. but I was little. Like, this show ran from, like, 1993 to 1999. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember, I didn't watch the later seasons when I was old enough to be watching other things. But I definitely watched the earlier ones when I just, like, and it's, I don't know how, I mean, I know how I was allowed to watch it because I had immigrant parents who probably just didn't know what it was. But because it, it's a very sexy show, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it's a very like suggestive show and yeah. it, it holds up fairly well. Oh, good to know. Like obviously there are things in it that you're like, oh, now from a 2021 perspective, but we're probably pretty forward thinking for a 1993 perspective. Um, but yeah, I watched like all six seasons in like two weeks <laughs> because nice. if you just need something to turn on <laughs> while you're doing other things, this is the perfect show. Um, and then the last thing that I'm into is I started watching the second season of Everything's Gonna Be Okay on Hulu, which is, if you know uh, the Australian show Please Like Me, it's by the same creator whose his name is escaping me now. It's Josh something. Um, but it's the show that is about this guy uh, whose father dies in the first season, and he has to take kind of guardianship of his father's two young daughters because the mother has already passed away mm -hmm. and they're so they're his half siblings and one is like 12 or, or 13 and one is like 17 or 18 but the show is very conscious about representation and it's very funny and it's very real like the older actress the 17 or 18 year old is an autistic character played by an autistic actress oh good and She's been very, like, you know, done a lot of interviews about what this means and being able to bring, like, this level I'm of sorry, that's, like, the basic thing you can do, and I'm, like, acting, like, but you know what I mean? But we are so I, conditioned to, right? like, Which, take the scraps. So yeah, it is like, nice that someone's actually doing the work. And he seems to be, like, I think there have been some missteps in his past, which I don't know a ton about, but it seems like he's being very conscientious about... One, recognizing his own privilege. Two, recognizing what this can do. Because I will say, you know, growing up, the big thing for us was, like, when you had these roles, they were played by actors who were not neurodivergent mm -hmm. and who would often win awards mm -hmm. for those yeah. portrayals that you look back on and are like, ooh. That was terrible. <laughs> but this is such a breath of fresh air in that perspective because she's so good on the show and she's so funny. Everyone is so funny. The writing is so witty. Like, I I really recommend it, but it is very um, imperfect in its conversations, which is one of my favorite things, because mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair to expect perfection yeah. from conversations like this from the get-go. So it's it's a nice, like, this is, how, this is what people are actually like mm -hmm. in the way that they speak about death and grief and... and growing up and coming of age it's, yeah. it's really good uh but it's on hulu like definitely check it yeah. out if, if you're looking for something that is like kind of darkly funny yeah that sounds it sounds really good i was gonna say maybe i'll check it out but we both know you know, know. me <laughs> um 
Okay, so for me, I am playing, still playing Mass Effect that came out in mid-May and I am absolutely loving it. I'm loving every second of this game. I'm so, I'm on Mass Effect 3 now and I can see like the end, like the end of the game, the trilogy coming and I'm like really sad and already like, okay, maybe I can just replay it. It's fine. I'll have it. I can just replay it. Like I just have so much love for this series, for the characters, for, you know, Jen Hale who voices Femme Shep. Like I just, it, this, oh my God, like it's, it's hard to describe how much the series this like trilogy means to me and so it's really good the remaster is fantastic like I've, I'm really enjoying it um that is so that's taking up most of my free time I also want to talk about the book lady laziness laziness does not exist by Dr. Devin Price this book has been like I read it about a month ago and it has been groundbreaking in the way I think and the way I approach work and the way I approach relaxation and just kind of reordering my life at a time where we're all burned out, we're all, you know, our work-life balance has and boundaries have crumbled into nothing because we're just always at home. And I have always been at home, but the I have found the other people's expectations of me have changed. Like I've always worked, I've worked from home for a very long time and I always had very good boundaries. And um, it's, it's like, how do you relax? it's other people's expectations of me have changed and then on top of that like figuring out I've never been good at relaxing and it has been a problem because of my boundaries it was I'm sure it was a problem but you know what I'm saying like I it's not it's not something that was affecting my life in a super negative way because of my boundaries and not having those I just basically had to reevaluate everything um and this book is fantastic because it kind of dismantles the idea that productivity is a good thing and that um you know, we should all aim to be more productive. Like, why? Why is that good? Like, and like, just like embracing what you want to do. Part of the reason I don't watch a lot of TV is because like, like for a long time, I didn't watch any, like just, I've been watching a lot of home, like decoration, home renovation shows, but I didn't for like 10 years because I was like, oh, well, it's not productive. And it's like, why does what I need to do in my off time to relax need to be productive? And so it's been just, fundamentally changing a lot of that stuff I've been talking about it a lot if you follow me on Twitter but I, it's fantastic like I didn't even this wasn't even like a review copy I bought this book I bought the audio and listened to the audio then I bought the print book that's how much like I love this book so highly recommend it if you are facing some of the same things I am slash was and then finally <laughs> Preeti's favorite thing um I have started watching Justified <laughs> I'm only two episodes in. We are very early, but I'm really liking it so far. I can already tell I'm going to stick with the whole series. Um, so more on that. I don't really have much to say because we I just started, but more on that in the next few episodes. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I made Prithi's day when I texted her about it. I was like, guess what? It was truly a an excellent moment for yeah. me because I was like, Oh my God, we are going to talk about Timothy Oliphant so much. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and it is so funny how much now that I can see his character in The Mandalorian is like based on Raylan Givens. Yep. <laughs> like, I feel like Mando, Mando Marshall is like combo of Deadwood Marshall and Justified Marshall. Yep. And it was funny because I texted, I start, watched her watching the first episode and I texted Preeti. I was like, it's weird. I thought this show took place in like 1850. And she's like, Deadwood. He plays U.S. Marshall <laughs> in both. I was like, ah, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Ah, so good. 
Um, all right. So we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C as in nerds of color. Um, and for our Patreon, okay, a note about our Patreon. We are very late on rewards. We know this. We don't really, there, I mean, there's no excuse. We apologize. If you have pledged to us, even if you have, like, canceled your pledge since, you'll still get the reward. Um, it's basically we need to sit down and do some, like, admin work and just with these 8 million books coming out. And then I've got, re- you know, I've got release date coming up in a month. It has just been, um, things have been difficult. That's not an excuse uh, because we know we owe you these things. It's just an apology and we will uh, make an effort to get those out. But thank you to Alec and Meredith at the $12 level and Amber, Sam, Patrick, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Shelley, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Priya, and Keshav at the $5 level. Um, if you do want to come hang out with us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Girls. Uh, and we're going to, it's a lot of math that we're mm-hmm. going to do later yes. today. Um, yes. And, and math is the worst. Yes. So there you go. Uh, this was, well, so we'll be back in probably two weeks mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. um, the next two Loki episodes. Yes. Yep. And, and, and maybe time. we'll probably catch up on the Bad Batch, but I don't think, if there's something to talk about, we'll talk about it, but I don't think we'll do a regular, yeah. we we'll probably won't be regularly following it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to just, we're going to be playing a lot of catch up with that one. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess until next time. Well, you can find us on Twitter. We see we forget. This is oh, what happens when we forget to put things in the script. I know we didn't put it in the script. I, I was like, how do we end this? Yeah, show? I don't know how to end it. Like, because like literally, we write out, "We'll see you in hell." That's how bad like we right. are at this. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at s Krishna. Uh, I I am on Twitter at Run with Skizzers, S K I Z Z E R S, and we are on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that it? Did yes. You say anything else? Um, until next time. We'll see you in In hell! hell!